Chapter 3 of Stories from the Trenches Funny Tales the Soldiers Tell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stories from the Trenches Funny Tales the Soldiers Tell by Carlton Case. Chapter 3 Trench Superstitions. It is told in the Chronicles of the White Company how the veteran English archer, Samkin Aylward, was discovered by his comrades one foggy morning sharpening his sword and preparing his arrows and armour for battle. He had dreamed of a red cow, he announced. You may laugh, said he, but I only know that on the night before Crecy, before Poitiers, and before the great sea battle at Winchester, I dreamed of a red cow. Tonight the dream came to me again, and I am putting a very keen edge on my sword. Soldiers do not seem to have changed in the last five hundred years. For Tommy Atkins and his brother the Poilu have warnings and superstitions fully as strange as Samkin's. Some of these superstitions are the little beliefs of peace given a new force by constant peril, such as the notion common to the soldier and the American drummer that it is unlucky to light three cigars with one match. Other presentiments appear to have grown up since the war began. In a recent magazine, two poems were published dealing with the most dramatic of these. The Comrade in White, who appears after every severe battle to succour the wounded. Dozens have seen him, and would not take it kindly if you suggested they thought they saw him. They are sure of it. The idea of the call, the warning of impending death, is firmly believed along the outskirts of no man's land. Let us quote some illustrations from the Cincinnati Times. I could give you the names of half a dozen men of my own company who have had the call, said Daniel W. King the young Harvard man, who was transferred from the Foreign Legion to a line regiment, just in time to go through the entire Battle of Verdun. I have never known it to fail. It always means death. Two men were quartered in an old stable in shell range of the front. As they went to their quarters, one of them asked the other to select another place in which to sleep that night. It was bitterly cold, and the stable had been riddled by previous fire, and the army blanket under such conditions seems as light as it seems heavy when its owner is on a route march. Why not roll up together? said the other man. That way we can both keep warm. No, said the first man. I shall be killed tonight. The man who had received the warning went into the upper part of the stable, the other pointing out in utter unbelief of the validity of a call that the lower part was the warmer, and that if his friend were killed it would make no difference whether his death chamber were warm or cold. A shell came through the roof at midnight. It was a dud, which is to say that it did not explode. The man who had been warned was killed by it. If it had exploded, the other would probably have been killed likewise. As it was, he was not harmed. A few days ago, the chief of an aeroplane section at the front felt a premonition of death. He was known to all the army for his utterly reckless daring. He liked to boast of the number of men who had been killed out of his section. He was always the first to get away on a bombing expedition, and the last to return. He had received at least one decoration, accompanied by a reprimand, for flying over the German lines in order to bring down a Fokker. I have written my letters, he said to his lieutenant. When you hear of my death, send them on. The lieutenant laughed at him. That sector of the line was quiet, he pointed out. No German machine had been in the air for days. He might have been justified in his premonition, the lieutenant said, on any day of three months past. But now he was not in so much danger as he might be in Paris from the taxicabs. That day a general visited the headquarters, and the chief went up in a new machine to demonstrate it. Something broke when he was 3,000 feet high, and the machine fell sidewise like a stone. 
It is possible, say the soldiers, to keep bad fortune from following an omen by the use of the proper talisman. The rabbit's foot is unknown, but it is said that a gold coin has much the same effect. Why, no one seems to know. A rabbit's foot, of course, must be from the left hind leg, otherwise it is good for nothing. And according to Apollo, the efficacy of the gold piece depends on whether or not it puts the man into touch with his star. It is said in the New York Sun, Gold coins are a mascot in the front lines, a superstition not difficult to explain. It was at first believed that wounded men on whom some gold was found would be better looked after by those who found them, and by degrees the belief grew up, especially among artillery, that a gold coin was a talisman against being mutilated if they were taken prisoners, whether wounded or not. The government's appeals to have gold sent to the Bank of France and not to let it fall into enemy hands in case of capture has since reduced the amount of gold at the front, but many keep some coins as a charm. Many men sew coins touching one another in such a way as to make a shield over the heart. Every man has his own particular star, a Leon farmhand said to Apollinaire, but he must know it. A gold coin is the only means to put you in communication with your star, so that its protecting virtue can be exercised. I have a piece of gold and am so easy in my mind I shall never be touched. As a matter of fact, he was seriously wounded later. Perhaps he lost his gold piece. The son relates another story which indicates the belief that if the man does not himself believe that he had a true call, he will be saved. It is possible to fool the unseen powers, to pull wool over their eyes. To dream of an autobus has become a token of death, attested by the experience of at least four frontline regiments. And yet a sergeant succeeded in saving the life of a man who had dreamed of an autobus by the use of a clever ruse, or lie if you prefer, as the anecdote is told in The Sun. A corporal said he had dreamed of an autobus. How can that be, the sergeant asked, when you have never been to Paris or seen an autobus? The corporal described the vision. That an autobus, declared the sergeant, although the description was perfect. Why, that's one of those new machines that the English are using. Don't let that worry you. He didn't, and lived. A regiment from the south has the same belief about an automobile lorry. But, unfortunately for the scientifically minded, a disbelief in omens does not preserve the sceptic from their consequences. On the contrary, he who flies in the face of providence by being the third to get a light from one match is certain of speedy death. The sun continues. Apollinaire tells how he was invited to mess with a friend, Second Lieutenant Francois V, how this superstition was discussed and laughed at by Francois V, and how Francois V happened to be the third to light his cigarette with the same match. The morning after, Francois V was killed five or six miles from the front lines by a German shell. It appears that the superstition is that the death is always of this nature as Apollinaire quotes a captain of a mixed tirailleur and zouave regiment as saying, It is not so much the death that follows, as death no longer is a dread to anyone. But it has been noticed that it is always a useless form of death, a shell splinter in the trenches or, at best, in the rear, which has nothing heroic about it, if there is anything in this war which is not heroic. End of chapter 3 Recording by Julian Prattley.